Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange. And for the first time, I can say we're going to be bringing it to you from Orange. That's right, Orange, California. I am on location at Chapman University, a uh, small not-for-profit university down here in Southern California. And I'm talking with James Kelly, DBA and storage admin. And actually, we'll talk about some of your new responsibilities. But James, how's it going? Welcome to the program. Uh, it's doing great. Very happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thanks for hosting me. We've been working on getting this set up uh, for a little while. But why don't you tell me about um, you know what you've done at Chapman, uh, your experience here, and like I said, we'll we'll talk about what you're what you're going to be moving on to in the future. Yeah. Um, so far in Chapman, I've had two roles in our IS and T department, Information Sciences and Technology. I started as a member of the network operations team, and. Uh, about five years ago, five and a half years ago, I moved from there to the uh, storage and DBA team um, because the university invested in Oracle's PeopleSoft management oh, yeah. environment. Okay. And uh, they needed DBAs. And I had a history with that, um, but I did, it was a, a promotion, moved up to working with Oracle. And uh, at the same time, I also became one of the storage admins. You're one of those lucky guys that gets to wear multiple hats in the IT department, right? Well, small nonprofit universities, uh, you have to wear lots of hats. Yeah. There's just not that many of us here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit more about Chapman, about the university. We've talked about it as a nonprofit university. What's the size of the school, the, the student population, maybe areas of emphasis that students are looking to, looking to do? Yeah, uh, historically, Chapman is a small uh, nonprofit humanities uh, focused brick and mortar uh, university, very traditional. Uh, been around since 1851, is what we quote in the marketing. Um, haven't been on this location that whole time. Okay. But it's about, um, I usually refer to it as medium small. It's about 10,000 students, uh, eight. Thousand or so are undergraduate. The rest are graduate uh, of various stripes. And the campus is in downtown uh, Orange, California. And the weather's great. Come visit. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I always notice that when I come down here that it is beautiful. So from an IT perspective, right, you've got students that have services that need to be delivered. You've got professors. You've got just basic things that go on at the university. Um, at a high level, what kind of challenges are you guys facing on a, on a daily basis for, for, for delivering good IT services? Yeah, well, fundamentally, the business of the university is making sure that the students can get educated. Right. I mean, we're delivering a product, which is our educational services. And all of the things that go into that business-wise are pretty much what you'd imagine. The students need to be able to purchase those services. The we, they need to be able to find out what they've purchased and when it's scheduled and the professors need to know when to show up right. and everybody needs to get paid. Um, so on the business side, the university is basically pretty much just another business. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's nonprofit, the fact that there's a certain rhythm and culture to academia does mean that things are different. But from the point of view of an you know Oracle and storage administrator, it's still just the same stuff. The database needs to be up because people need to get paid and right. people need to get their schedules and you know, parking permits need to be issued. Um, so in terms of that process, in terms of delivering those services, as a DBA, as a storage admin, our main challenges are that the budgets, it's nonprofit, yeah. right? We have to solve these problems and we can't 
we don't have the luxury of simply saying, oh, let's just go buy three more of X. You or, throw money at it. You got a yeah. shoestring budget and, and you need to do the most with what you have. Now, uh, that also has challenges on the other side where we can't be mom and pop, right? If we want to present and, uh, and deliver our services in a professional way, you know, universities often have the opposite challenge too, which is they pull stuff out of trash cans and that becomes the production email server or something. Yeah. And Chapman, over the 10 years I've been here, has done a really excellent job of moving away from that sort of initial mom and pop kind of a situation. So you've had the ability to modernize and have a reasonable amount of investment to stay, let's not say at, at the bleeding edge, but maybe at a reasonable kind of cutting edge or at least advanced enough technology where you're delivering sufficient services for all the different parties that you talked about. Yeah, with the constant uh, pressure of the limits in terms of time and money and labor availability, it's a small place, right? We've got to accomplish these fairly sophisticated, professional, contemporary business you know, roles but there's just like the DBA team and the storage team, that's one team and there's two whole people on it. Yeah, it's you and, you and somebody else, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, me and a, a really talented DBA named John Carver and, yeah. and that's it. And, yeah. and that's it. We're all the enterprise storage, all the databases, Oracle, SQL Server. We even have one DB2 environment, all the MySQL, everything out there. That's, that's him and me. <laughs> that's it. You've got the potpourri of databases, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. you could want. Well, well, take me back then, right? Obviously, I mean, I, I enjoy your story. Um, a lot of the outcomes that you had uh, when using pure storage were, were fascinating to me and, and really you know, spoke volumes about what we do. But um, what did the landscape look like for you and John prior to engaging pure? I mean, were you spending more time on day-to-day -day things and tuning and maintenance and, and just you know, things that took you away from maybe other areas of focus that were maybe more strategic? Um, no, very much so. Uh, in terms of things that took a lot more labor and attention than we wanted or ultimately felt we could afford, um, there was a lot of that. The, the, like I said, the university started when I got here 10 years ago, um, moving away from the ad hoc, non-enterprise, pull stuff out of a, you know, a dumpster and, and turn it back into production and want it and has been consistently moving forward with investments in modern technology, in things that are making the lives of the IT staff and ultimately the lives of the students and, and the staff better. And right before uh, we made the purchase of the, the, the pure, our first pure all flash array, we had the storage environment that you might imagine of a, a medium small enterprise, the sort of big names that you have heard of. And we were dealing with uh, multiple spinning disk arrays that were getting older by the month. Our database environment, uh, prior to the Oracle investment, which was what, you know, occasioned the pure purchase, right. uh, our, it was a hodgepodge, uh, just everything, you know, all these different databases, all these different vendors supplying the databases and uh, an integration environment that was very much a challenge. So we spent a lot of time, uh, all of our time essentially, uh, just keeping this complex environment talking to itself, working at all. Uh, and, and because of that, the decisions were made at levels above mine that more investment was necessary okay. in making the work we were doing 
easier to do. And it wasn't necessarily that there was a single breaking point. It was just finally the realization that you were spending time, you know, all hours of the day, maybe at night, maybe weekends, whatever, right? Because a university is not just an eight to five kind of thing. It's, you know, there's students that need services on the weekend. There's professors that need things at night. Um, but not one breaking point, just sort of the realization is there has to be a better way to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's always pressure. And of course, everybody feels this. There's always pressure that there are things in your work life uh, that are simply challenges. Right. There's always, no one has a situation where there's no challenges. But uh, with the Chapman in particular, my experience of it has been strike while the iron is hot. So a lot of times from the long list of challenges, there will suddenly magically appear a pool of money okay. and there will be this sort of rapid you know, desire to, oh, we've got this pool of money. Which of these challenges will this match up mm -hmm. with? Like how can we, like somebody, you know, a donor did this or there was an extra budget this year or yeah. something. So what can we do? And the, the decision to get involved in all flash storage was very much of that nature. Like okay. I would have said the day before we started that process, I would have said it would have been several years before okay. we would in a planned way be able to invest. But then there was this pool of money and I think my current boss had just spoken to uh, a wonderful pure rep, Tricia mm -hmm. Bregman okay. at uh, the big Educause conference. Okay. And he had this money fall into his lap and he said, you know, that sounded pretty darn cool. Let's look into All Flash. And so then w take me through that process, right? Which is, okay, so you got the flash point, which is we just happen to be in the right place at the right time at Educause. Cool. Wonderful when those things work out. Did you guys go through a proof of concept? Did you do evaluation, testing for the Oracle environment or other? Um, like, How did that come about? Yeah, it wasn't just sort of, no, I liked this sales rep, so we're yeah, going to yeah. write a check. Yeah, sure. Um, no, we, we uh, had several meetings with stakeholders. We narrowed a large list of vendors down to a small list of vendors. And some of them were companies that we already had their spinning disk environments. Um, Pure was new. Uh, and then there were a couple others where we dealt with those vendors on sort of side projects. And uh, we narrowed it down to three. And uh, ultimately, the competition was between um, Pure and um, the vendor that provided most of our existing spinning disk okay. array. And then we had a, an extended series of meetings, technological meetings, presentations. We did not go all the way to a proof of concept at that point. Okay. Uh, there was, because it became pretty clear after just a couple of meetings which of these groups of people we would rather be talking to for the next couple of years over the questions of support and the questions of upgrading. And it the, the decision to go with Pure was on the technical merits very much, but just as powerful it was on the culture at Pure that we could very much perceive, that we could see very clearly these were individuals that we liked talking to. This, this was a technology and a company where people liked what they were doing. And the other company, it was sort of the same old, same old, right? Uh -huh. Oh, oh we, we don't really talk about the retail price. You tell us how much you can afford and we'll make the price work. Yeah. And uh, 
After a couple go-rounds of that, the contrast was just too clear, and we just said, no, we're going with pyramids. That's really interesting that you bring in sort of the multidimensional aspects of the, of the decision, right? Because sometimes you hear about people just focusing on the technical merits, but it is nice to hear about um, the cultural aspects or just the relationship, uh, which, again, goes in any you know, engagement. There's always some aspects of relationship. It's not always on technical. But I, I love that you said you know, the people that you want to be working with for the next you know, two to three or however longer years. Just to be very clear about this, we couldn't have made that choice if Pure's technology Certainly. wasn't like top, top notch. Okay. I mean, there's no question that we were going to get anything but perfectly perfect parity with all the other top end vendors at the very least um, and then it became the question of culture and and price yeah yeah that's always a factor in it um, so initial use case initial deployment right this was around your oracle environment that you described uh, you don't have just tens of databases. You have a hundred. Yeah. I think we talked to you yeah. have like a hundred and fifty or more different Oracle databases that you're trying to support. Is there any nervousness about you know? Can I go and deploy this on this array? What am I going to have to do for tuning when I initially do the install? Or how is it, you know how's the install going to work? Yeah. Right? How did those things pan out? Well, yeah, no, uh, because uh, the, the heavy lift workload for our database environment is our campus-wide campus management so, uh, solution, Oracle's PeopleSoft, anybody who's worked with any kind of middleware environment from Oracle knows that it's just got a million moving parts. Yeah. It, and with database stuff, it's copies of copies. It's, you know, you don't just have, our production environment has four databases, our production Oracle PeopleSoft environment just has these four databases and everything sort of leads up to those. But the development process, the, the work that you have to do over the months and even years leading up to putting those four databases in production means that you've made 17 copies of every one of those to support different development stages, different sort of hypothetical directions you might go with code versions and stuff. So yeah, no, we had these four databases, but ultimately I think our at the point at which we purchased the Pure, we were supporting, I think, 75 full-size When you Oracle. added all the development activities yeah. and the copies and the clones and yeah. all those types of things. And, and we were doing that. I mean, even though they're copies, um, you still have to support them. They still have to work. Yeah. They're not production, but they function like production because the production work they are supporting is that development work. And they take up space. And they take, right? up, they yeah. take up space and they take up, yeah. Uh, for us, the critical resource was uh, actually the uh, time of, of DBAs, the, the, the administrative labor. That was the bit that we were really running up against all the limits. Because like I said, there's only the two of us. Right. So there's, you know, uh, we still wanted to be able to you know, have weekends and take vacations. Um, so we were spending all of our time making these copies. So if you've got four source databases and you end up with 75, somebody's making all those copies. And at every step of the development process, copies get retired and new copies get made from the source. And so you're just constantly doing this sort of domino effect. Right. And that was what was taking all of our time and filling up all of our arrays. Absolutely. At that point, the spinning disk arrays we're also starting to get kind of long in the tooth, mm -hmm. you know, up against that three-year support thing, which is famous for when your support costs go up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, some were already on third-party support. I mean, it's nonprofit university. Right. Sometimes you right. got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what we were looking at. We we 
we really wanted something to reduce the investment of time uh, that the DBAs were spending, that I was spending, making all these copies, and deal with the fact that our spinning disk arrays were kind of month by month moving towards their end of, of support. So the pure arrays, I mean, obviously, I, I think we talked and they, they solved those. Um, you know, very fast latency, sub-millisecond latency, um, great data reduction rates for Oracle. But I think also, you know, called out in the case study is just the space-efficient snapshot technology in there. Is that, is that ultimately what, what freed up more of, of your, your time? The, the things that we noticed as soon as we started on the implementation project, we really didn't know what to expect in terms of uh, capacity, in terms of storage. Right. You know, we just, we had no experience. And as much as we like Pure as a vendor and as an organization and like the individuals we deal with, vendors spin. You know, you never quite know. So you got to test it out. And we hadn't done POCs. So we got the array in. Uh, the installation process was like, could not have been simpler. I mean, it really just does the one thing. You know, they showed up, plugged it in, and we're good. It took, I think, less than an hour. We didn't believe our, our SE that he Very was Very few steps, right? Yeah. 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 Um, That's one but, of those, you got to see it to believe it kind yeah. of things, I think. Yeah. And it was great. It was great. Um, so what, what, we really were hoping is this investment was just going to allow us to move just those four production databases. That's all. Like if we could just fit those four production databases onto the all flash, we knew, you know, we, we had expectations of what the benefits we were going to get, right? Massively faster, massively simpler, um, much longer snapshot retention because of the the efficiencies of the, the deduplication or the uh, reduction data reduction process. Um, and so we put that in there. Then we, we thought, okay, let's start putting some more of these. Let's put the, the last layer of that, that pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the validation and testing, the QA. Right. We call it pre, but it's, it's basically QA. Let's put that on there um, and connect it to our, at this point, rack mount Oracle databases so that it mirrors the production environment as perfectly as possible. That's what you need out of a QA environment. We put it in there and the needle <laughs> didn't move. <laughs> we, were, we were like, wait, we did, did you get them copied? <laughs> the, the storage, it still says the exact amount it said before. And that was where we started getting an inkling of how useful, how awesome the Pure's data reduction technologies were going to be for our environment particularly. So we thought, okay, that's great. Uh, that didn't move the needle. Let's just keep piling stuff in there until the needle does, in fact, yeah, move. Yeah, I, I love your your quote on something else that we worked on, right? Which is, uh, heck, if I know, try migrating and see if it fits, yeah. right? Which you know, maybe not scientific, but uh, you've got other other things. So, so you've got the PeopleSoft Oracle running. What else did you, you know? And this is where we get into kind of how Pure does mixed workloads really well. Yeah, we well, we ended up again trying to move the needle, we ended up copying or migrating all of the Oracle, then all of those Oracle databases, the 75 databases. Now that's since become 150 uh -huh. because of major version upgrade paths that we've had to follow. But so those 150 copies of our, you know, four, now five central databases, they all fit on the same array we bought all that, that time ago. Um, so we thought, well, okay, we still got space. <laughs> 
what what can we put, you know, what else have we got? And so we started looking at our, our tier zero or tier one, however you want to refer to it. Um, we started looking at our other most critical, most uh, demanding workloads. And uh, we thought, okay, we've got the middleware layer of our management environment. That's a bunch of VMs, right? It's all these Linux VMs. So every one of those databases and every one of those copies of those databases has a stack of between two to six uh, virtual machines that run the middleware and the web tier uh, for that particular instance. So that means that those 75 databases that became 150 have between you know 300 and 600 virtual machines. There's hundreds of VMs. Hundreds yeah. and yeah. hundreds yeah. of virtual machines. Um, and they run Java and they are doing all this crazy ancient stuff, COBOL. It's still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll never go away. Exactly. Um, but uh, so we just started uh, tier by tier, seeing if we could move those in there. Yeah. And the thing about those, again, everything in our environment is copies of copies and could not ask for a better use case for the data reduction. So we started moving those in there and we got to the end of that. And we wait, we got, so we got all, all of the Oracle databases, all of the PeopleSoft middleware stuff. There's still room. <laughs> what, what can we do now? Uh, and so we started putting in our other database environments. Being a university, we've got a sizable uh, Microsoft SQL server okay. environment, so we piled that in there. Um, that fit on there. The only thing that we didn't put in there is some legacy, some older versions of Microsoft SQL Server that are tied very closely to the sort of clustered physical okay. hardware they're that they're already. on. Yeah. Um, but the biggest one of those was um, the one that we didn't think we were going to, like, we said, oh, well, no, they'll never get to that. But the, we've been building a Microsoft SQL Server-based uh, data warehouse for long-term retention and business analytics uh, from the same vendor that does our campus courseware management stuff, uh, Blackboard. Blackboard. Anybody right. who's worked with higher ed has heard of Blackboard. They have a, a data warehouse environment that had checked all the boxes we wanted. Uh, we got done with all the Oracle and all of our you know SQL Server stuff, and we thought, well, um, let's try copying that over. So we contacted the vendor and we, we started the migration process and it, it went in great. Fits wonderfully. Um, the, there was three copies. It's got a dev test and a QA and production. And those, of course, benefited from the data reduction technologies. And um, one thing we didn't expect, though, because with data warehouses, you don't think of speed as right. an issue, right? right? These are you, you submit your request for the report and grinds for 12 hours and it I comes mean, back. You've got response time and you know to queries that matter to certain people, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. ultimately, but but yes, it's not transactional so yes. much. Yes. But when we the got the vendor involved and we migrated it over, the vendor's first comment was we've never seen databases this size do their nightly ETL poll this fast. You know, uh, the first thing was they thought it hadn't worked the first night that we did it. it happened so fast. Yeah, they're like, wait, yeah. that, no, something broke. There's right, no right. way a, a database <laughs> of your size is going to do our standard ETL poll, which had been in place for a year on the spinning disk. You know, it's 12, 14 hours, and it completed in less than four. And, and the vendor's like, we've never, we've never seen that. <laughs> um, and, and it's because both the source and the target databases are on the same array, you know. Um, and, and so we we're certainly happy with that. We'd seen similar performance uh, up, you know, increases with all of our other environments. Those were doing great. But um, 
this was really the first time that we saw, wow, this is really has been much more of a, an issue, much much more of a benefit than we'd imagined. Did you hear anything from other users or, or you know consumers of the services applications? I mean, where there's any tangible aha moment where somebody called and said, "Oh, this is running so much better," I noticed, or was it just sort of seamlessly integrated in and and things just worked and maybe people wouldn't even notice? Um, no, no. We, in terms of user bases or you know uh, customer bases, we really have two groups that we hear from. Mm-hmm. One of them. Uh, and truthfully, the one that we spend more of our time supporting is the developers. Okay. They're the ones that are dealing with all those 150 copies, and they're making changes. So that's all the snaps and the clones and those things, and so they're going to be happier. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, the second one is the the students, and truthfully, the parents. Right? They're the ones yeah. writing, writing the checks. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, we did actually here as we migrated the production environments into the all flash. Um, the developers especially said, wait, what did, what did you do? You know, I had something that was taking 45 minutes to run, now it's taking six, or now it's taking, in one case, you know, a minute and a half. Wow. How did how did that happen? And it's just, the storage is just that much faster. Yeah. Um, it was a little messy because there was also an 11G to 12C upgrade yeah. in there too. Yeah. And so, tough to do hardware and software rev changes at the same time. Always. So it was. Uh, we did notice that, and it, it was a, a great, a great benefit. Uh, so personally, what happened for you, right? I know we talked multiple times prior to this, and uh, just the day to day keeping the lights on type of things is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, what changed for you? What What could you do that you couldn't do before? In terms of being a, a working, you know, in the trenches DBA, uh, our biggest. Activity is making copies of these databases, restoring them, cloning them, giving them new names, all of this stuff. One of the benefits that we had not expected to find, like anywhere in the process, this had not been apparent. Once we got much more comfortable with the all flash and with Pure's technology in particular, we started noticing that the that Pure works very hard at providing APIs for automating things, works very closely with VMware and and uh, Microsoft, if you're using Microsoft uh, virtualization technologies. And we started to understand that by making a few architectural changes to our environments, largely by starting to virtualize our database and middleware servers, getting them off the physical stuff and into VMs, that there could be um, some major wins in terms of automating and optimizing all of that constant clone refresh rebuild kind of technology uh, work that we did and um, so we started doing it we started investing some time we virtualized a bunch of stuff and um, this was something I was in particular really interested in because the the cloning process uh, where, where where we were where we started was we'd get the request and from the request to the actual delivery of the final cloned database server with its stack of middleware was frequently, I mean, with the middleware, up to 48 hours. Um, Especially if we're talking about our our QA environment, which which we couldn't virtualize. The virtualization shortcutted that somewhat. You know, it might be a 24-hour turnaround. Um, If we were really dedicated, once we optimized that process without using the new automation opportunities available by the Pure and the All Flash, we got that down to about 14 hours. Okay. We could do, you know, um, but 
Then uh, with Pure's assistance and an, am an amazing engineer named uh, Cody Hosterman, oh, yeah. um, we, we started uh, building scripting and API stuff and automation, primarily relying on uh, VMware's uh, 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 vRealize orchestrator okay. technology. Um, and using VRO, we were able to take those automation activities and then use some benefits of the all-flash storage that we hadn't really been able to use up to then. Um, and we, we shifted our methodology from the Oracle database level, which is, you know, Oracle's RMAN for all of the Oracle right. database administrators out there, where we would use RMAN to do our duplication, frequently wrapped in their enterprise uh, 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 manager, OEM. OEM, yeah. Um, but, you know, that would, to clone one of our databases using RMAN, it would be a, a copy process. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a source and a target, and it would actually copy the data over, and that would take four to six hours of copy activity. And what we learned is that because of Pure's snapshotting uh, and handling of the metadata, that if we made the architectural shift to do the copy process on the array at the storage layer at the storage right. level right that 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 4 to 6 hours could be literally as fast as we could click the button <laughs> you know and and that that was it's hard to overstate how much of a shift in thinking that that yeah. was yeah it's like oh and now by having that copy process essentially disappear and then automating all of the configuration and, and all the other changes, you know, you've got to go in and change the names of things and reset certain underlying things to make the new clone database be different. By, by automating all the rest of that, we, we ended up, and this took me, you know, months to do this, but, but we ended up getting what started as a 12-hour process with the virtualization and the, the, the shift to the... the storage level cloning, that got down some, but once we fully automated everything and took advantage of all of the features available, that we got that down to 15 minutes. We could, we could what started out as a 48 hour turnaround using automation, we could get it down to 15 minutes. Can we do the math on that? <laughs> like a few hundred X, yeah. right, improvement. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that cloning and copy in activity was probably 60% of our daily work as DBAs. And so all of a sudden you have all this time. Yeah. <laughs> so a team of two people, I mean, now all of a sudden I could actually answer all of those, can you please help me tune this query? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, questions that the I... Things that you're normally supposed to be doing as a DBA, right? Right, <laughs> right. I could stop just being a database copy admin right. and, and actually do real DBA work. Um, and and so and it was well stated. That yeah. was a huge, huge change. I love to hear that. Life. Well, and now you're going to be embarking on new things, right? Yeah. Um, why don't you t tell everybody about your your new role, moving into the the wonderful world of big data and high performance computing and analytics and and that area? Not not. I'm sure the the other jobs will follow you for a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah, right? no, you nothing. You can't always ever just fully escape those things. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, a university. I'm still doing. 
I'm still doing tasks from my job 10 years ago in the network yeah. operations. You're still doing database queries for yeah. people and yeah. tuning them. Yeah. <laughs> got a, a clone I got to do Monday morning. There you um, go. But now it's only 15 minutes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so no, recently based actually a lot on the success of the automation and on my ability to kind of show that I had an interest in coding and automation and clustering and, and all of this. I uh, applied for and successfully got a, a position with uh, a new initiative at the university. Um, the Chapman has recently uh, created a new school of science and technology. It used to be part of a, a, a different college in the university. Um, and now we've broken it out because the university, Chapman, is investing in upper division sciences very heavily. Yeah. want to stay on top of this. And part of that is, part of that new school of science and technology um, is the creation of a supercomputing uh, research group. Excellent. High performance computing and, and uh, research IT support. And I heard about this job and, and um, successfully applied. And so I'm, I'm now starting to take on new challenges involving building high-performance uh, computational research clusters, supporting actual frontline researchers with their computational chemistry, physics, theoretical math stuff. Um, and we're, we're building the first of what looks like it's going to be three clusters um, right now. Um, and hopefully I'll get some sleep eventually. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a lot to take on. And maybe, uh, maybe we'll be able to do a podcast in the future around Flashblade if you're able to Yes. If you're able to get Flashblade in to help with with yeah. some of those things for the right use case, right? As if it's if it's the right fit. Part of that investment was actually the university did um, purchase a second M20 array. Oh, excellent! To be excellent. high speed uh, scratch uh, storage connected to all the nodes of our first big uh, HPC cluster, and um, that's uh, uh, that cluster's not quite up and running yet. But the testing that we're we're doing is showing that 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 having that all flash scratch space is the researchers who've been using sort of ad hoc clustering that they built themselves, various grants, they're, again, it's that that sort of astounded, like, wait, did it work? Like, how is this possible? That data set used to take me hours just to get it copied from one place to another, and now it goes, you know, bip, bip, bip. And, yeah. you know, so, no, <laughs> trust me, I'm I'm aware of how, how much it would benefit this environment to get a flash blade into it. I'm everything at the university happens very slowly. <laughs> so we're, it'll, it'll be a long conversation. That's all right. All in good time. And uh, I love that. Maybe that's a good, good closeout point there. I love how you talked about that with the, with the, the new customers getting the benefits of the M20, which sort of wraps it all up from the beginning. So um, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for, for hosting me here on, uh, on, on campus and, and sharing again what I, what I think is a, a really great story for folks to hear about some of the ways that maybe we can, we can help them uh, solve their problems using pure storage. Thank you very much for inviting me on, and it's always nice to have people come. I get to show off our, our great campus. And That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, a, and this was a, a good a tour here. ton of fun. No, awesome. I, awesome. Well, thanks. Always always a pleasure. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As always, when I close, please do uh, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, leave feedback on, on anywhere that you are consuming the podcast, whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, the usual places that we put it. Um, but we appreciate your feedback and your input. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and James Kelly. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. Thanks again, James.